I must have been the oldest Jew in America who had never been to Israel. During the Six-Day War, when I was eleven, I was determined to defend my people's homeland. I doubted I would be able to take aim at an enemy who reminded me of my beloved Danny Thomas, the only Arab I knew, and the star of my favorite television show, Make Room for Daddy. But I could pick oranges at an Israeli kibbutz, and thereby free a young Sabra to fight off the invaders. At the very least, I could sit at the piano in my parents' living room and pump out a rendition of Exodus so heartfelt that even the pious, sad-eyed rabbi I had painted in art class looked ready to cry. But after I got out of college, I seemed never to find the time or the money to go to Israel. When my son Noah was born, I decided we should celebrate his bar mitzvah in Jerusalem or on Mount Masada. But by the time he turned thirteen, Noah had shifted his allegiance to that famous branch of Judaism known as Marxism, and he refused to accompany me to Israel unless we spent an equal amount of time touring the West Bank and Gaza. I might have traveled to Israel on my own, but I couldn't figure out why I should visit a place where I couldn't ride a bus or sit in a cafe without fear of getting blown up, even as I despaired of my host's mistreatment of their Arab neighbors and fellow citizens. Then, a few Christmases ago, my Polish Catholic boyfriend, Marion, bought me a ticket. He had been to Israel and loved it, and he couldn't understand why I had never gone. What kind of Jew didn't want to go to Israel? I tried to explain that I felt the way an adopted child must feel about the prospect of meeting the woman who had given birth to her. Either I would learn that my biological mother was a terrible person, in which case, what did that say about me? Or I would discover that I loved her even more than I loved the mother who had raised me in which case I would need to disrupt my life to join the mother I had only just met and barely knew. But Marion was determined to show me Israel. He spent six months planning our itinerary. Then, two weeks before we were supposed to leave, our relationship fell apart. I will spare you the intimate details— The reason had much to do with his insistence that I share his pleasure in sampling cultures not my own. Black evangelicals in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Navajos in Arizona. Ultra-white Pentecostal missionaries in Indiana. And yes, Polish Catholics in East Detroit and Warsaw. Marion's boldness in taking me places that most middle-class white Americans rarely go was one of the attractions of our relationship. I shared his curiosity about other cultures, the longing for connection across boundaries that most of us are too lazy or afraid to cross. And yet, I had grown weary of pretending to fit in with people who, at any moment, might come out with a disparaging remark about black people, Jews, or homosexuals, or who believed that a divine being had created the universe and planted dinosaurs in the rocks to test our faith. After struggling for half a century to find my place among people for whom literature, art, justice, and compassion trump any narrow devotion to religion or nationality, I had become loath to give up that comfort. Worse, 
I didn't want to tour Israel with a non-Jew who idealized my people in ways I couldn't or wouldn't. And so, when Marion and I broke up, my first thought was, thank God I won't need to go to Israel. Then we had a fight about whose fault it was that he had spent $3,000 to buy two airline tickets we weren't going to use. I settled the argument by writing him a check and, having just bought a ticket to Israel I could barely afford, decided I might as well go alone. Unfortunately, paying for the ticket left me with virtually no money to spend once I got there. I might have asked my friends on Facebook if anyone knew a cheap place I could crash, but if I posted my destination, at least a few of those friends, or those friends' friends, would express their outrage at Israeli politics—